Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. This is episode 27, and I'm Lee Neenheis. It's my honor to be your host today. I just got off the phone with Bible to School's Executive Director, Corey Pennypacker, and you will not believe all that God is doing. Yesterday, a brand new Bible to School group began, and they had 23 students from the third grade attend in their school. Imagine with me classes just like that one, meeting all around the United States during the school day for the sole purpose of telling public school children about Jesus. That is what is happening, and God is doing it. Now is the perfect time to share the good news about Jesus with the kids in your life, and now may be the perfect time to start a Bible to School program in your neighborhood. Want to learn more? Check out our pile of resources and information we have for you on our website at bible2school.com. That's bible2school.com. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Crystal Woodman-Miller. As you'll hear me say in this episode, today's episode may require earbuds if you have little ears in the room. Crystal is a survivor of a school shooting, and God has given her insight we need to hear about walking with kids in these changing and dark times. Boy, she's going to bring some hope and fantastic biblical truth in an area that we must talk about and walk with our kids alongside. So without further ado, Let's jump right into today's episode. Well, Crystal Woodman Miller, my friend, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. What an honor. It is such a gift to welcome you to really this podcast, Crystal, where there are parents and adults that are actively pursuing sharing faith with kids and telling them about the love of Jesus. And today we're going to have a conversation that is actually pretty hard. And so if there are little ears listening, you may want to just send them outside the room or put on your earbuds today. But Crystal, you and I were just joking off air that it's not really a fun topic that God's given you to talk a lot about, but it is a really important one. So Crystal, go ahead and introduce yourself to our friends that are listening. Yes, thanks, Lee. My name is Crystal Woodman Miller. And when I was 16 years old, which if you can believe that was about 23 years ago now, (laughs) I was 16 as a junior at Columbine High School. And I survived what was at the time this nation's deadliest school shooting. Now, of course, we know that over the years, these school shootings have become an epidemic of their own. But at the time, Columbine was really one of the first that we had heard of, especially in the media. And on that particular day, I was I had gone to the library with a couple of my friends to study for a test. And if you recall the events of Columbine, you'll remember that the library was the scene of the most intense violence that day. Ten of the 13 killed inside of the library, 12 of the 24 wounded. But we were very just 
you know, it was a day like any other. We were so unsuspecting, never really recognized the warning signs that were before us on that particular day. But I got in there, as I said, to study and had only been in there a few minutes when chaos broke out in and around the school. And I remember kind of glancing into the hallway and I saw students running with looks of terror and panic. And I couldn't exactly make out what was happening. And my friend Seth that was with me just continued to assure me, hey, it's just, it's a senior prank. There's nothing going on. And I wanted to believe him. And I think he wanted to believe himself as well. But within just a matter of moments, a teacher had run into the library screaming that there was boys with guns and bombs. They were shooting students and we needed a hide. And I I stood frozen because, I mean, I had heard about violence or... We had never heard of anything like that. Yep. No, you're exactly right. And so it really took Seth and Sarah, my friends, to kind of shake me and and say, okay, we got to We got to hide. We got to do something. So we got underneath of our tables that didn't offer a whole lot of protection. And Seth immediately said, start praying. I have no idea what's happening, but God is the only one who can get us out of here. Wow. And... Lee, I didn't know, I didn't really have a relationship with God. I just kind of started going to youth group. I didn't really even know how to pray, but God, get us out of here, make us invisible. God, just, just let this all be over. But it was really just the beginning as we started to hear a lot of loud popping noises, explosions coming closer. And at that point, Seth reached around me, kind of protecting me and said, Crystal, I promise that I will take a bullet for you. Mm. It's when he said those words to me that I said, okay, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. And I said, God, if you're real, if you're the God that people have told told me about, then get me out of here alive. I'll quit the partying. God, just give me a second chance at life. And with that, the boys entered and began their killing rampage that lasted seven and a half minutes. And that may not sound like much time, but those seven and a half minutes felt like an eternity. Yeah. Felt like time just stood still. And my prayers... Obviously, it just turned into desperation to God. Please, God, please, please, please just just save us. As we listened to them gun down their victims, making fun of them, picking on them, playing a deadly game of peekaboo, laughing as they went along. And we were kind of in the last section where they were walking through and they focused their attention first to the table next to us and found a young man who was under there alone and killing him and ending his life. Then they turned their attention to our table. A chair hit me in the back. I knew that they were right above me. And I just kind of waited, waited, wondering what it would feel like to die, wondering how it would come, if it would come swiftly or slowly. And then they started talking about how they ran out of ammunition, that they had to go reload, but they would come back and kill those of us who were still alive. And it was for the first time in what seemed like forever that the shooting stopped. And we had just a small window of opportunity to get out and escape before they did actually return. But we were able to leave the school to make it to safety. And though we were physically unharmed, the emotional scars, the trauma that then we were ha- we would have to deal with for the next so many years of our lives was was so great. It just it would it it was just it's still so surreal to feel like when I tell that story, knowing I was there, it just still sometimes is is unreal to me. Yeah. And Crystal, I imagine that everybody wants to take out their earbuds. I mean, like you and I talk about that too. And you know, we're both moms. Crystal, you've got kids too. You have a family now. And God has been so good to you after that. Tell us what your journey to faith looked like after the Columbine shootings. 
Yeah, you know, there were, though I had survived, oftentimes I wished I hadn't. The pain was unbearable. The grief felt suffocating. There was no roadmap for this, but I would honestly say the one thing that kept me anchored in those days was Jesus. In fact, there's a verse in Hebrews that says that hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I'm telling you, until you have to live that and like that anchor of hope, that anchor of Jesus is all you have. It's hard to even describe. And I bet a lot of the parents listening, a lot of the moms out there listening know exactly what I'm talking about, where all they've been able to do is, is hold on to that anchor for dear life. And, and I did that. I did exactly that. And I just would cry out to Jesus. And I just felt like he would just meet me in the most tender beautiful ways in those dark days after. I mean, I had every emotion you could possibly imagine, but I began over time to see what God does best. And God took all of the ashes and all of the brokenness. And he truly brought about something so beautiful and something so redemptive. That is something only God can do when we really give him the thorns of our lives. You know, it, it actually enables us to see him, to pull back that veil as a poem that I love reads so that we can see the face of God. Suffering allows us to come face to face with Jesus. And then we, we have this choice to choose him or not. And choosing him was the best thing I could have ever done. I'd be sunk without him. So Crystal, we're talking about people who are working with children now. That anchor is available for our kids, too. It's our job to teach them how to cling to Jesus. It's our honor, right? Yes, it is. It is the greatest gift as a mother to be able to show them Listen, the world may be falling apart and there may be hardships and death and, and you know, a, a failing economy and people divided and devouring each other over social media. But again, in scripture, it says that we've received a kingdom that is unshakable and that therefore we can worship with a holy God with awe and reverence. That's, that's the honor that we get as parents, that we get to say, you know what? This is something where you can stand steadfast. You can plant your feet and you can know he's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to let you go down. He's got you. And I think that's important for us as parents to remember too, because that reminder that he loves our kids even more than we ever possibly can, that he's in control. He still sits enthroned and says at God's right hand the powerful side of God. And we are, we have access to that power by having access to him. And so recognizing that that is where our joy is. That is where our peace is. That is where our hope is. But don't get me wrong. I mean, there's plenty of times I am what I call a recovering fear addict that I so quickly go back to that just fear and that dread and that foreboding. And so all the more, it's just the reminder of how desperately I need him. You know, and I think we get to be real and show that to our kids. Hey, we don't have it all together, guys. We don't do this thing perfectly, but Jesus, right? He is always there with us. And so I think it's, that's what discipleship really looks like is for me in my home, I don't have the answers. You know, I don't have all the answers, but I get to point them back to scripture 
I get to open up God's word and we get to talk about that and we get to memorize it together and we get to study it. And then we preach it to our hearts and minds until we can believe it and walk out those truths together. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Does God love Satan? Before we can answer this question, we need to understand who Satan is. Like other physical and spiritual beings, Satan was God's creation. Because God cannot create something contrary to his own holy being, Satan, like the rest of creation, was perfect and without sin. However, God did create a world where sin is possible, and Satan chose sin. God cannot tolerate sin in physical or spiritual beings, and so God will not tolerate Satan. Can God love Satan while hating his sin? I suppose only God knows the answer to that question. Crystal, one of the things that I know is true is that when we as adults feel afraid of something, we tend to not talk about it. But when it comes to tough things like school shootings or things that feel dangerous, especially school shootings, let's go with that. Since we're talking to people who work in public schools, Why is it important to have these hard conversations with our kids? You know, Lee, I think it's really easy to to just kind of avoid those conversations altogether because they're uncomfortable. But the fact of the matter, especially in regards to school shootings, is they've increased in number and in frequency over the last many years. And I think as a result, they've dominated the headlines and then and then dominated the the hearts and the minds of our young people. And so if we're thinking about it, we have to recognize that our children are thinking about it too. They're hearing about it at school. They're seeing tidbits on the news. Their teachers are talking about it. And so our job as, as, as parents, again, that gift that we're talking about that we have as parents is that we get to reframe or rather frame the conversation so that our kids feel safe. We're creating a sacred space where they can bring all of their questions, all of those big and intense and complex emotions, and they can ask their questions and we can process together in a safe place without judgment. And I think that this isn't done enough. You know, I think sometimes we want to leave it up to the school or our Sunday school teachers but we get to be the ones who inform the conversation. And so we get to inform it through the lens of scripture. We can pray with our kids. We can really do that in a way that nobody else can. Nobody else has that opportunity that we do, but it's vital because we're leaving the door open to say, not just about school shootings, but anything that is going on in your life, I am a safe place to land. And so by opening up the conversation about school shootings, it doesn't mean it's a one and done. Most conversations are not. Most topics are not. It's a, hey, let's talk about whatever's on your mind and know you come to me at any point with the questions and concerns that you have. Well, I am sure that every parent who heard their kids say, we practiced an active shooter drill today, has a heavy sigh. I vividly remember the first time that my son said that to me. And I thought to myself, I never did that. Like, I never did that. Crystal, we never had active shooter drills. But our elementary school kids, I mean, from kindergarten on are having these things. So 
talk to us about the day. I want you to imagine that you're at a Bible to school hour. You know, it's the middle of the day. Kids come in and they say, we practiced an active shooter drill today. What's the first question that you would ask the kids? Yeah, I would, I would probably start with, hey, how did that make you feel? I love to hear what you were thinking and feeling while that was going on. And in that very question, you're saying, I see you. I hear you. Your experience matters. And automatically that kind of disarms, you know, the walls and the fears and and just kind of that foreboding. And then they're able to share, you know, they're able to say, okay, okay, she gets it. He gets it. They understand this is, this is not normal. You know, we shouldn't be having to walk through these in our day. But I think, I think it's really great because a lot of these kids, you know, I think it's important that we address, okay, we do this so that we can feel safe, just as we'd put a helmet on to ride our bikes or just as we wear seatbelts in the car. We have to be prepared in the event something happens. However, however, you are safe you are secure. And we get to remind them then that, okay, your emotion is very real and it's okay that you're feeling that, but you don't have to give power and control to that emotion. In fact, you get to choose which emotion has power over you and which doesn't. And then that's where we get to talk about God's word. That's where we get to say, he is our strength. You know, he is our power. It says in in Habakkuk, I love it, that God is our strength. He is our power, our invincible army. He makes us to move, to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to move through problems, suffering, troubles. And just that reminder that God goes before us, that he's fighting for us is way more powerful of a tool and can break down, it says in scripture, right? We have weapons, not of this world, but spiritual weapons to break down the strongholds and everything that sets itself up against God. So we take our weapons and we fight that fear with truth, with God's truth. And so I think that's why it's so powerful that we as parents get to direct the conversation. I love that too. And I honestly have thought this, I've taught this, but it just, as you tell me your story again, Crystal, and this is not the third or fourth time I've heard your story. This is a lot of times now. The thing that stands out to me the most is I want to raise, I want to raise the boy says to the girl, we need to pray right now. And then I believe I need to protect you. Um, I, I mean, like when they get to be 16 years old, I want my son to say that too. But I want to raise the boy that says to the girls and the kids around, let's pray right now that their first inclination in the face of adversity, but fear or something that's debilitating is to practice the presence of God right there in that moment and know where to cry out when something tragic is happening. Amen. I want, I want to raise that boy and those girls, right? You know, I want to say, I want prayer to be our first defense. And I want to throw on that armor in all circumstances, not just when things get hard, because it's really easy to turn to that when the things are scary or hard. But I want my kids to be equipped in all circumstances to know, okay, uh-uh, I don't have to, I don't have to align with the fear. I don't have to align with those lies that someone else is telling me or the, the labels someone else is putting on me. I align with God's word and who God says I am. And you're exactly right. I mean, that gets me excited as a parent. That's when we recognize our greatest gift is right here in front of our very eyes. 
So what do we do? What are you doing as a parent when scary things happen on the news? Like a few weeks back, we had the Oxford shooting here in Michigan, and it was everything in the news here where I am in Michigan. And you heard about it in Colorado where you are. It's it's everywhere and scary things are on the news. So what are you talking to your kids about when there are scary things on the news? What would you advise us as people who are in the lives of children to do with the news stories? It's a great question. You know, first off, just on a very practical level, we do not watch the news here in our home. It doesn't get turned on the TV. We don't sit around and watch it. However, as we discussed before, they are hearing it, whether it's at our house or not. It's their friends talking at the lunch table or teachers talking about current events. They are hearing the news. And so we also don't shy away from hard things either. We are very careful to have those hard conversations. But I simply, you know, a lot of times I use the dinner table as a great time. We're all gathered there. It's a very safe place. We're all together. Dad is there and I'm there. And and it's a great, just a great opportunity to have some of those hard conversations. And so we will, we'll say, okay, have you guys heard what's going on. And we'll just have that discussion, you know, and they'll say, yeah, you know, I heard about it. And it scared me because it got me thinking, what would happen if that happened in my school? And we say, okay, well, you know, well, tell me what let's, let's talk about what the plan is. You know, we'll kind of talk about that, but then it always shifts back to a focus on Jesus. You know, guys, bad things happen in the world. It's the world that we live in. But what we get to do is respond to that with faith. And we get to come to Jesus. And I promise you, whenever you pray to him, he hears you. You know, just having these conversations makes it real in the day to day. It puts the confidence and the power in their hand to to trust God themselves. Not because mom and dad say it, but because we get to, we'll sit down, we'll pray and we say, okay, you know, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray about some of those things you're feeling? And then they start praying and they get into it. It's just a really beautiful thing. Even the start of this last year, this 2022, my daughter came to me and said, mom, I want to get up every morning and I want to read my Bible with you. So we get up, we read our, this was her idea. We read our Bibles together and we memorize scripture together. And I'm telling you, that's already changed and shifted the perspective around how she looks at current events or things in the news or things going on at school. So it's just really a moment by moment that we don't have a formula. We just kind of take each piece of news as it comes, when it comes, and we deal with it. We pray. My husband and I pray and say, okay, how are we going to talk to the kids about this one? This is really uncomfortable. But then we also, I mean, with my book, we wanted to not just, I wrote it so that you're not just talking about the event itself, but you're putting tools in kids' hands that they can use practically when they come face-to-face with fear, when they come face-to-face with something that's difficult or uncomfortable. So whether that's learning how to breathe through something or practice this grounding techniques where you look around and you you kind of notice things and you hear things and then you can remind yourself and inform your own heart. Okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm safe. You you can whisper prayers to yourself or, or say, hey, I, I'm safe. I'm free from the chaos around me. You know, you can really preach to your own heart. And then we encourage our kids to use their voices. We empower them. The, the book does this. We do the same with our kids to empower them. If this is something that concerns you and you feel passionate about this, go make a difference, make change. And 
And it says, you know, this is one thing that we are to do. We're to go, we're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, telling them about Jesus. And we want our kids to come along in that, in that adventure. It's not just mom and dad, it's you guys, you have the opportunity. And I bet there is a lot of people at your school feeling just as afraid. Here's a great opportunity for you to tell them about God who makes them brave in the midst of fear. I love that. I love that, especially knowing that our audience is in the process of winning people to Jesus. And that's kids that are marginalized, the ones that are at risk. And so let's, I mean, Crystal, we got about two minutes left. I mean, and so it's fast, but let's talk about helping our kids befriend people who feel marginalized or bullied or becoming an advocate to people who who are really vulnerable. Oh, I love that. That's my heart. We're constantly talking about the importance of being kind here, but I've been struck lately studying God's word. That was exactly, these are the people Jesus went to. And if we're teaching our kids and ourselves to be more like Jesus, to love what Jesus loves, and to have the heart of Jesus in ourselves and in our children, then our heart should be for the person who's all alone sitting at the school cafeteria, the person who is is different and they don't have as many friends because that's where we can shine Jesus. That's what Jesus came to model for us. And so I think we model that at home. We model that by the way we treat our neighbors, by the way we treat the checkout clerk, by the way we treat strangers and friends and people in our family as we model that for our children. But we teach it in scripture and we encourage them when they do it. We say, you are doing it. You have the heart of Jesus and you bless that and you pray that into your children. Mm, I love that. Crystal, God has brought beauty from incredible ashes, but incredible beauty inside of you and your story. You talked about your book, but I want to make sure that everybody knows it's called A Kid's Book About School Shootings. They can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold and just want to encourage them to go get a copy and to have hard conversations. Crystal, first of all, thank you for being my friend. But second, thank you for your work with kids everywhere. Well, Lee, the honor is mine to be called your friend. And I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by just Bible to school, what they're doing. I applaud it and I support it. And I'm excited to see this just grow like wildfire to teach kids in public schools, the word of God. We need it now more than ever. And so thank you guys for what you're doing there. And just can't wait to see what God's going to do to use this ministry and use the kids who are falling in love with God's word. Mm. Well, Crystal, would you wrap us up in a time of prayer for these incredible people who are busy telling the kids about the good news of Jesus? I would be honored. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the men and women who are taking your word to school campuses. Jesus, would you empower, would you strengthen, would you fling wide doors of opportunity? Jesus, just to just to take it to every campus across America, that you would globalize it, Jesus, because it is your heart, Lord. And so I know that you will make a way, even when the way feels impossible, because that's what you do best. God, would you 
strengthen and empower when they get weary and tired. Jesus, would you be their rest? Lord, would you, yeah, God, we just, we can't wait to see how your gospel will spread like wildfire into the hearts and the minds of children across America. Jesus, would you come? Would you start revival for your glory, Jesus? And we just pray all of this because we can't do any of it without you. The powerful and the mighty and the holy and the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo. Wow, I told you it was a powerful episode. Praise the Lord that we can bring hope to children in this generation who face things we never have. What a truth that they have an anchor that will hold. And it is this truth that compels us to share the good news about Jesus boldly. That's what we're doing here on the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. Our show notes and the links to the things we talk about on every episode are on our website at bible2school.com. That's bible2school.com. Be sure to check them out. And next week, we'll be right back here with Corey talking about sharing the gospel powerfully and effectively with kids. It really can be simple. Now, friends, Have a great week. And remember, you can tell the children about the good news of Jesus.